0: You would turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine will begin in verse twenty-eight, picking up right after the passage that uh, Sean preached on last night. Tonight we'll be headed up the mountain. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience? We talk about a mountaintop experience. Uh, we, we often think of. Uh, Maybe a camp we went to when we were young, and uh, how we felt the presence of of God as he as uh, we were with uh, other Christians meeting together, secluded, uh, and, and and or maybe we might think of uh, a revival service in our past whenever God was moving and God just touched us and spoke to our hearts. Or we might might think about. Um, uh, you know, what was going on in Asbury here just a few weeks ago? We think of uh, that when we think of a mountaintop experience. And tonight we're going to look in on a mountaintop experience. We're, we're looking second-hand at uh, a firsthand experience of a mountaintop with uh, Peter, James, and John, along with Jesus. And, and I hope... That uh, as we look into this, the Lord touches us and that we we can have a touch from him as well. Let's uh, go ahead and read our text beginning in verse 28. It says, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which was he which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they came, became fully awake, they saw His glory and the two men who stood with Him. And as the men were parting from Him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what He said. As He was saying these things, a cloud came And overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would uh, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I pray that you would um, speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We had just heard last night I was here too. It's the first time I got to hear Sean preach. Um, we just heard last night that uh, the, the last verse of the passage from last night said, "But I tell you truly, there are some here standing who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God." And Sean alluded to this very very thing. The kingdom of God was expected. It was close. And Jesus here was telling them, you're going to taste. You're going to see the kingdom of God coming. And the very next story we see, the very next one, you have Jesus glowing. (laughs) What an odd thing. He's shining brightly like the sun. I think Sean was on to something whenever he said that these disciples may have seen the coming of the kingdom right there in that very next passage. Now, this is just eight days later. Eight days later, Jesus takes with him just three disciples. He doesn't take with him all of the twelve. He doesn't have the crowds coming up with him. He just has three, and they go up on top of the mountain for one specific purpose, at least the disciples think, to pray. They go up to the mountain to pray, to commune with God. The disciples probably didn't expect what they were going to experience, did they? And when a mountaintop experience happens, it's usually unexpected. We may come in to do, be coming to do what we always do, just out of faithfulness. We come to hear God's word, priest. We come to pray. And all of a sudden, God shows up when we weren't expecting him. And as he was praying, says the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Wouldn't you like to have been there <laughs> to see this? His face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. It started with his own skin. It wasn't that his clothes began shining first, but it started from the inside out. You know, this ought to remind us of something else that we've seen in Scripture. He went up on a mountain and he began to shine. There was a time when Moses went up on a mountain. He went up on the mountain to speak to God. And when he came down, he didn't know that his face was glowing. Now, I think we should think about Moses Anyway, even if he wasn't mentioned in this text, but he is. Because Jesus, when Moses went up on the mountain and he he began to glow and shine, this was a reflection of the glory of God because he had spent time with God up on the mountain. But with Jesus, it wasn't a reflection. It was the shining like the sun, the full brightness of His glory there in Jesus. Verse 30, And behold, two men were talking with Him, Moses and Elijah. You have two men from the Old Testament brought back to, for that moment, for just that moment, to be there with Jesus. Jesus says that Moses wrote of him in other places. Moses knew of Jesus. He didn't know his name would be Jesus. He didn't know a lot of things about but he I believe had an expectation of the Messiah to come. Moses had a faith in the seed of the woman who would come and crush the serpent's head. Moses I believe had a faith in That one who would come from the line of Judah and the scepter would not depart from Judah. Moses had said there would be a prophet like him that would one day come. And here he is coming back. Elijah, we know Elijah never died. Elijah was this prophet who One of the two people I can think of in the Old Testament, Enoch and Elijah, the two people who had never died, they were taken directly. We know Enoch from uh, Genesis chapter 5. He had uh, walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And you have Elijah, who Elisha is able to witness as this Fiery chariot, chariot comes down and carries Elijah off, and he never died. And these two characters come and they meet Jesus on the mountain. And something I think we need to notice: why were why was it these two characters? Why did these two people come and meet Jesus on the mountain? Moses represents the law. The first five books of the Bible. Jesus said it was the law of Moses. And Moses wrote of him. And Moses here stands before his Savior. Just as he did before the burning bush. Representing the law and Elijah Represented the prophets. He was earlier than a lot of the prophets that we think of. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and all those. But he was one who could represent the prophets. And what we see here as Jesus meets with Moses and Elijah up on the top of the mountain. Is that the Old Testament. Both the law and the prophets testified to Jesus. Moses and Elijah were there and they were talking with him. It says, Who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, what is this departure that he's talking about? It could be his death. Or maybe it's his death and resurrection together. But I think probably it's actually his death, resurrection, and ascension as he ascends 40 days later because it's speaking of his departure. But it's, it's more than that. I mean, uh, Jesus, we know his, his, what he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem in the salvation of his people is that he would die for us, rise again, and he ascended into heaven and he is seated right there right now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Amen. But he uses, they use this word here. Luke uses this word. Speak of spoke of his departure. The word there for departure is the word Exodus. Exodus, a word that's familiar to us. What was the Exodus? The Exodus was the defining moment in the history of salvation of the Old Testament. We look at, old, at the Old Testament and everything in the Old Testament, when it talked about God's salvation, pointed back and looked at the Exodus. Exodus about when God delivered His people out of the bondage of slavery and He crossed the Red Sea with them. They walked through on dry ground and those Egyptians were drowned. The Exodus with its ten plagues and with the miraculous signs that God accomplished. Throughout the Old Testament, the Exodus was that defining experience of God's people. And whenever God talked about His salvation, that's what was pointed to. And the prophets, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, like others, they looked forward to a second Exodus. Looking forward to a second Exodus when God would act in history just the same as He did before. Before. And that second Exodus came when Jesus came and he went to the cross and he died for our sins and he rose again in glory and he ascended into heaven. And now, for the New Testament people of God, when we talk about salvation, we don't talk about the Exodus, we talk about the new thing that God did. We talk about the cross. The blood, the resurrection. Right. God did a second exodus, a new experience where he shows his saving power for his people. Then, our next, we see here in verse 32. Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Come on, guys! Can't you stay awake for just a little while? They were heavy with sleep. But then, when they, they, they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Oh, talk about being caught off guard. Can you imagine being there with Jesus? You weren't expecting anything except just to go up to the mountain to pray. And all of a sudden, you wake up after falling asleep praying because you didn't have enough strength to keep going. And all of a sudden, God catches you up into His glory. They notice. They see. They see Jesus shining in all of His glory. They see Moses and Elijah there testifying to Jesus. When they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Verse 33, and as the men were parting from him. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Oh, come on, Peter. (laughs) First of all, Peter was right with the first thing he said. It is good for us to be here. When God shows His presence to His people, maybe you've had some kind of a mountaintop experience. It is good. It is good for us to be here as we hear from Him, as we as He makes His presence known to us. It is good. But then He makes this strange statement that makes it's, it makes it hard for us to even understand what He means here. He says. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, he he was waking up out of a stupor and he was like, oh, let's make three tents. (laughs) What were the tents about? Let's prolong this. Let's stay here on the mountain. Let's stay here on the mountain. But the mountaintop experience is not meant to stay there. It's for our good. It's where God shows Himself to us. He gives us encouragement and strength so that we can come down from the mountaintop. Peter wanted to stay there. Have some tents. Maybe make a campfire. roast m- m- some marshmallows or something. <laughs> no, he didn't know what he was saying. Verse 34. Now as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Again, in Exodus, the presence of God showed up as a cloud that led them through the wilderness. Here a cloud came. And it scared them. Sometimes our response when we face the presence of God is is fear. But it's still good. Then, as it continues here in the text, it says, And a voice came out from the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. This ought to also sound really familiar. This sounds very similar to what was said at Jesus' baptism. When John baptized Jesus, we know the heavens were open and a dove, uh, the Spirit came down and settled on Jesus like a dove. And the, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. Here, we have the same voice. God the Father speaking, saying, This is My Son, My Chosen One. Listen to Him. The purpose of the mountaintop experience for J. Peter, James, and John was for God the Father to testify to them so that they would know, they would have confidence that Jesus really was who He said He was. Even before the resurrection. And I believe uh, Peter especially really held on to that as a, as a very important moment that was a linchpin for how he could have confidence even through all the suffering he went through. Verse 35, well, verse 36. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They just disappeared. They were gone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days about anything what they had seen. Well, that just ruins what I was about to say, doesn't it? (laughs) The purpose of the mountaintop experience is so we can come down and tell everybody about it, right? Not yet. What happened with the disciples? When they came down, they kept silent in those days. The first thing the mountaintop experience did was for them. It was for them. It was for their own growth, for their own um, maturity in following Christ. It wasn't primarily for those on the outside. If our... Response to the mountaintop experience doesn't have time to mature in our hearts. And we just go and we start telling about it. And we might just get caught up in enthusiasm. We may not really fully understand it. But the disciples here, they didn't tell anyone at first, and they watched. And continue to watch Jesus as he continued to teach and they grew and they grew and then they experienced the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and then the coming and filling of the Holy Spirit and after that remember the text tells us they told no one in those days but they told someone otherwise we wouldn't have this text (laughs) we have to know that They didn't didn't just keep silent forever. They eventually told someone, because we have it written down here. We have it written down in Matthew and Mark as well. And Peter writes about it. Peter writes about it in 2 Peter. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we were eyewitnesses of His majesty when that majestic voice was heard that said, this is my son. Even for Peter, his last letter that he wrote before he died, when he was encouraging these believers to stay strong because after his departure, fierce wolves were going to come. And what does he tell these people about? We weren't making stuff up. (laughs) We weren't following cleverly devised tales. This really happened. We were eyewitnesses. When we read this story about Jesus glowing, (laughs) it doesn't sound like the real world we live in, does it? But Peter says he was an eyewitness. It was real. It was real. He really saw Jesus shining. He got a glimpse of the glory of God. Oh, that we could have a glimpse like that. But for Peter, this served as, as a glimpse of his glory that gave him confidence that he knew, that he, could, he saw it with his own eyes. Jesus was God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity. He was not just a man, but he was God. So how do we wrap this all up for us? You want a taste, you want a glimpse of the glory of God? Sometimes it might show up when you're not expecting it. God can show himself to you even when you're just doing the very routine things you do. The disciples, they were just going to pray. In fact, they weren't really all that fervent in it. They fell asleep. (laughs) And God overcame all that. Their experience with God on the mountain was an act of grace. They didn't work for it. They fell asleep. It was grace. Jesus chose just these three men to go up with him. He didn't have everybody go up with him. They didn't deserve it. It was grace. We want A taste of that? We want a glimpse of God's glory. I don't know that that's necessarily the normative experience we ought to have all the time. Instead, I think we need to be faithful in the little things. We pray, we come and we hear God's word. We fellowship together. We worship Him in song. And we just keep on doing the faithful thing. And if God shows up, if He gives us that kind of experience, praise Him! And if we just keep on praying and keep on singing and keep on hearing God's Word preached, and we never have that mountaintop experience. Praise Him. He's still good. He's still God. And at least we can say we've been faithful. And finally, oh, for those who have that mountaintop experience, when you have that mountaintop experience, Reflect on it. Reflect on it. The disciples. Now, part of this is because of the the position that that they were in at the time. You know, if they started telling everybody about this before the resurrection, even the the other disciples might try to lock him up in the loony bin. (laughs) Do you see Jesus glowing? What? (laughs) The primary purpose of that experience is for the believer at the mountaintop to grow us deeper, but it doesn't stay there. Just like we know. It's written down here because they told someone eventually about it. And Peter told about it in 2 Peter. As God uses that to work in our lives and it matures and we develop a deeper understanding of him through it, eventually it will pour out of us to be able to minister to others, to be able to proclaim with confidence. I'm talking about the real deal here. I didn't make this up. He really changed me.